stay hungry, stay foolish. Great honor to welcome Carlo Pignataro, author of Sell with Style, to the show. Welcome to the show, Carlo. Thank you very much, Aidan. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, and thanks for joining us all the way from Italy. You have a huge background in the luxury industry, and we're in a world now where the consumer wants everything free, perfect, and now. And that's really changed the dynamic of how a brand can operate in the world. And the luxury industry has been working this way for a very, very long time. And there's a killer line in your book, attention to detail is a long-term strategy. And I just thought that was such a profound line in that you have to think about every aspect of your brand, every touch point, whether it's digital or physical, and every little attention to detail needs to be catered for because people have so much choice now that you have to cater for every aspect well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Uh, the Innovation Show is just brilliant, so I'm honored to, to be uh, here with you today, Aidan. Um, that line, uh, which I didn't put much of a emphasis in the book, I think is, um, uh, is what I stand for ultimately. You see, I spent uh, most of my adult life uh, working as a manager uh, and as a salesperson as well in the luxury goods industry internationally. I've worked with brands like Gucci. Uh, I've been a consultant for uh, companies like Armani, World Gold Council, DTC, and so forth. And uh, my understanding, if you will, of uh, what has made certain prestigious incredible, uh, seducing brands, uh, uh, what has made them successful over, over, over time. Because when you think of brands like Hermès, for example, or Gucci, or uh, Ferrari, or, or, or Cartier, uh, you're talking about brands that have been successful, emotionally linked, emotionally linked uh, to their audience uh, for 50, 60, 100, 200 years. And what I learned from this brand is uh, consistency. Uh, and consistency is something that you build only uh, by developing an eye for details, uh, by making the details that differentiate you, that make you unique in the eyes of your audience, uh, um, by, by focusing on those details. Uh, and that's where I come up with the idea that not only luxury is uh, a uh, a personalization of, uh, of emotions, but it's actually the ability to focus on details uh, constantly, continuously, on a daily basis, consistently, until those details have made up your identity. Yeah, so the dots eventually connect, but it's, it's all based on this eye for detail or this attention to detail. Indeed. I see this as so relevant for, we have a lot of startups and CEOs who listen to this show, and in a way it's very, very relevant for them because they have to to enter into a world that is just full of competition. And it's not only the, the aspect of eye for detail, it's the behind-the-scenes work that you really delve into in the book about selling. selling Because selling is always seen as this kind of dirty thing or, or lower-end thing. And you've positioned it so well in the book, but you've put a framework behind sales and a framework behind the attention to detail from even from a sales perspective. So it's not just about the brand or the product. It's about how you represent that down to the salesman. 
Can we talk about that and, and talk about stuff like, for example, demanded communication and get into that for a little bit? With pleasure. You see, Aidan, you may call me a romantic person, uh, but I do think that selling is the highest form of service. Look, you, you mentioned something before that is pretty much interesting for me. When you said people are expecting everything for free today, uh, that's absolutely right if you look at certain economies. But at the same time, we never had so many people uh, with an access to wealth. We never had in history uh, that many people having their basic needs being met and willing to spend money to invest in their well-being. Ultimately, what do people having their basic needs being met want? They want to feel good about what they do. They want to feel good about themselves. So, yes, uh, most people want something for free, but also there's a lot of people willing to pay for having the opportunity to express themselves, to feel good about themselves, to, um, to, 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 to emotionally feel that their life is worthwhile. And that's what we... In the luxury industry, but when I talk about the luxury industry, I'm not referring to jewelry and fashion or, or high-end cars only. I'm referring to whatever company in whatever industry is positioning itself in the high segment, in the high end of the, of the market. Uh, our, our goal is to make people feel good about what they are doing with us, uh, feel good about the business they are doing with us. And to do that, uh, the, 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 the figure of a salesperson is vital, is crucial, is the deal maker, is the person that ultimately give you access to what you, client or consumer, want. Um, and that's why I'm in love with it. I have started my own sales training business, not because I had to, but just because I loved it. And I thought uh, when I started that uh, by improving, by enhancing and by empowering the people performing client service, client experience, uh, customer service, uh, and by giving them some practical tools and some intellectual challenges that would make them think and rethink their position amongst their company, uh, this would be my little contribution to the world. And I must tell you that uh, it's happening. I see people rethinking the way they deal with clients. I, say, I see people giving their clients the attention and the details we were talking about before that the clients needs and calling me at the end of the day saying, Carlo, it's working. I see happier people getting out of my office, getting out of my shop, getting out of my whatever they meet them, and I'm happier myself. And that's great. I just love it. And it's so important. It's been so overlooked. The world doesn't tolerate it anymore. Carla, one of the, the interesting things I, I really got into comes from the world of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and you talk about that in depth in the book. Could we touch on that for the moment for about meta-signals? Because there's a great analogy you give about meta-one, which is moving towards and moving away from. Could we touch on that for a moment? <laughs> I think this is very funny uh, because you see uh, something that uh, most companies uh, forget about uh, is to give a personalized service to their clients and um, moving uh, uh, away from or moving towards something is a very good examples of the, uh, example of this and uh, during my training sessions uh, I often bring up uh, this example so I want to share this example with you uh, if you don't mind think of a client uh, entering a high-end jewelry store 
And this client is a busy businessman who wants to buy a jewel for his wife's birthday. Okay. Now, this person happens to be very busy, uh, happens to have a wife uh, who's uh, chasing him uh, about the gift, a very demanding wife. And uh, yes, he's happy about uh, celebrating his wife's birthday. However, however, it's, this is not his first priority. So what he does, he asks his secretary to do a little bit of research, gets into the store and wants to buy that item as quick as possible and get out and go back to his, to his office. So he goes into the store and he starts having a conversation about the, the, the sales associate. And the sales associate starts showing him around, uh, telling him about uh, the greatness of the brand and, and how many beautiful choices there are and uh, how happy his wife is going to be. But unfortunately, the client is not going towards something. Which, which would be the celebration of uh, his wife's birthday, but instead is moving away the hustle of having to buy a present for her birthday. So he doesn't want that kind of interaction. He just wants to make sure that he's buying the right product at the right price, uh, and he can do it as quickly as possible. So a sales associate who would uh, spend too much time or would stress too much on the product's features and the beauty and, uh, and the uniqueness of the product would fail. But same situation could happen with a husband who's totally and uh, incredibly in love with his wife uh, and he has been waiting for her birthday for a year and he can't wait to celebrate and give her this beautiful gift uh, and everything that happens after. So he goes into the store and he wants to make a selection. He wants to dream about it. He's moving towards something. So here, the customer service associate, the salesperson uh, um, attitude and, uh, and approach should be, taught, should be completely different. What do you want to do in this case? You want the client to dream, to dream with you, to leave the celebration in advance. So same situation, one gift, one jewel for one wife changes drastically in terms of sales approach when you understand if the client is moving away from something such as the hustle of having to buy a, a, a gift or is moving towards something uh, which happens to be uh, wanting to celebrate uh, with your wife uh, such an important uh, occasion. I also have to add, Aidan, that NLP is one of the ingredients uh, that I bring into my uh, luxury sales education because uh, along with NLP, I do bring uh, a lot of philosophy as well, a lot of art history, a lot of music because uh, luxury uh, really is a human attempt to reach divinity through beauty. So when people start thinking about it, they make an intellectual exercise that boils down into some beautiful practical choices for their people to deliver a fantastic client experience. And that, that's the piece, Carlo. That, that really comes across in the book. And sales, from a perspective of the, of the past, I feel, was very much just get out there and sell no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's a good sale or a bad sale. But what comes very much across in the book is the luxury industry is a pure one in that it is about beauty, it's about art, and that it needs to be matched in how it's represented by the salesperson. 
and the salesperson needs to actually be that type of person as well. So your your selection of salesperson needs to be very, very astute as well, and you need to pick the right people to represent you in that way. I agree. You need to pick impeccable people. This is a framework. You give some great examples, and when you when you kind of think about that in your own world, you kind of see peop, different type of people coming into your office the other, uh, in different ways, or different people that you're meeting for coffee, etc. And you kind of you kind of start to see them in the framework that you've given. And one of the ones I loved was the internal frame of reference versus an external frame of reference person. Can we touch on that one as well for a moment? Sure. Uh, internal frame of reference uh, is uh, a focus. There are people who are used to um, look inside when it comes to take decisions, make decisions. Um, CEOs, uh, entrepreneurs, self-made men and women are often um, uh, basing their decisions upon their own judgment. Uh, they have, they usually have a very strong personality. They don't. Uh, wonder what other people would do, they just follow their gut and they follow their instinct. Whereas some other people need uh, to see proofs that something has been working for somebody else before. And those are the people who need to see the celebrities endorsing a brand. Those are people who need to see that other competitors have bought the same product or the same service uh, or have gone the same way. Um, and, and, And they are completely different when it comes to Uh, selling to those clients. Uh, A person with an internal frame of reference uh, needs to be approached uh, in a very unique and personalized way. You ask them questions such as, uh, how do you like it? Uh, How would you like to go ahead with it? Uh, How would you like to start this business relationship? Whereas, when you are talking to a person with a very external frame of, frame of reference, a person who needs to see that such solution, such product, such service has been bought, used, and tested before, you show them proofs. You tell them how happy your uh, old clients are. Uh, you show them your book full of celebrities endorsing your brands or wearing your brands or using your products and so forth. And, Salespeople tend to be a little bit too stiff when it comes to identifying uh, what kind of clients they have in front of them. Uh, they, uh, they kind of stick to what uh, they have learned, what they have developed in terms of brand's presentation or company's presentation or product's presentation uh, with time, and they, and they, and they forget to differentiate uh, between the approach that is being needed in a, cer- in a certain situation. It's funny because when I started with the idea of uh, writing my book, I had my personal interpretation of what luxury was about, uh, which was pretty much standard, if you will, uh, although I had spent many years in the luxury industry al- already. But then I, I took a step and I decided that I wanted to interview Uh, some industry leaders uh, in order to get their their opinion. And uh, talking to people like Mr. Gianni Bulgari, the former president and CEO of uh, the Bulgari Jewelry House, uh, talking to Mr. Uh, Giacomo Santucci, uh, who's the former CEO of Gucci, and two people who have given me the uh, gift of writing uh, beautiful forewords for my book, I realized that ultimately clients expect uniqueness. Whether this uniqueness comes from 
you giving them a personalized uh, product, you giving them a personalized experience, you giving them personalized conditions, but uh, luxury happens to be the celebration of uniqueness. Uh, it's something that I'm driven by every day when I wake up in the morning. I always tell myself, Carlo, today you have to find the opportunity. You have to work to create the opportunity to, to make somebody feel unique and special. Because if you can achieve that, you are on the right track. It's not just about personalization. It's actually ultimately about a segment of one. So you're trying to reach one person in a unique way. And that's why this framework is so important. And when you when you apply it all and you pay real attention to the details here like your crm for example so your 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 management system of your your contacts becomes very very deep while in so many companies it's it's a struggle to get somebody to put in an email address <laughs> and spell the name correctly if you read your book you go and re revisit your crm and you start going is this person internally motivated or externally motivated? Are they a matcher or a mismatcher? We might touch on that in a second as well, Carl. Um, but we, you start to, to put in the meta signals of those type of per people and, and almost segment them into those categories. You know, what type of, what type of theater do they like? Or do they like to go to sports games? But it goes much deeper in life than that. And it goes into what type of questions work with that type of person or what type of influence works with them, etc. I love the matchers. It comes from NLP as well, Carla. Can we touch on that one as well? Um, because I think our audience would really like that. Yeah, yes. Um, I, this is, again, a, a very funny <coughs> differentiator, if you will, because... But let me, let me add something to start with. Uh, I think that... Uh, Everything boils down to the willingness and then the ability to listen and listen carefully. Ultimately, whatever we give people, uh, they want to feel that they made the right choice. And more often than not, uh, before people can validate their choice, they need to have spoken about their needs. And that's what most companies and then uh, most uh, um, loyalty programs, and uh, it boils down to salespeople approach, don't give a, a client a chance to. Companies, brands, CRMs, loyalty programs, salespeople, customer service associates, don't give their clients a real opportunity to speak out, to express their needs. And that's what we need to do. Give somebody the opportunity to, 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 to express himself, to express herself, this is a client. This person will become a client, will turn into a client sooner or later. So when we build our business strategies upon this very simple yet very fine element, everything just makes sense. Everything just simply follows because the direction is very clear. The direction is I want to listen to my clients. Millennials today don't buy anymore until they, unless they feel they are part of the process. So how are you going to sell something to a, a millennial today unless you make this person feel part of the process? You, they, you, you don't give them ready-made products anymore. You give them the opportunity to choose. You present your products in advance. You ask them to choose between a cover of a book and another cover for the same book but so because they want to contribute. So 
this gives us uh, the opportunity to look into meta programs. So what we are, what you are talking about, what you were referring to, uh, which NLP has extensively touched. Uh, Tony Robbins has extensively explained in his beautiful work, uh, and I have picked six or seven, which in my opinion are very interesting uh, in terms of uh, sales uh, process. One of which happens to be uh, matchers or mismatchers, and again. It's something very simple, something that most of us have experienced before, yet uh, uh, we tend to forget about it or not focus about it enough. Uh, uh, enough. Matchers are people, and they are the majority, by the way, are people who kind of uh, looking for similarities. Those are the people who try to find something in common with the people they meet. So they get into your store, they enter your office, they meet you for coffee, and uh, instinctively, instinctively, uh, naturally, uh, they try to find something in common with you in order to uh, link to you, in order to develop a relationship. It's part of the personality, it's who they are. So unless you do something wrong, you can start talking about the weather or family or sports, whatever, you find something in common, you go for it and you build a relationship. Very simple, very clear, something that salespeople have been trained for all their life, and most of which are good at. But there's another category of people, and they are the mismatchers. Mismatchers are people who need to say no before they can say yes. It's a personality trait. It's a mind frame. Is something they do uh, unconsciously. It's something they have become or they have been before or they were born with without knowing it. They need to say no before they say yes. Doctors, um, uh, quality, quality insurance managers in factories tend to develop a mismatching approach because they need to look at something and they have to spot the flaws. They have to, to, to spot the, the, the small details that are outplaced. So these people kind of develop this mental frame with time. With mismatchers, mismatchers are people entering in a room and they will notice what is different from the other room rather than noticing what's similar to the other room. Those are people I mentioned, I showed in the book a picture of three eggs. Uh, the three eggs were absolutely identical with the exception of, um, of the shade of the color. One was a little bit darker. So matchers would see three eggs, whereas mismatchers would see two lighter colors, uh, color eggs and one darker color eggs, uh, egg. And that's, and that's what you need to, um, to keep in mind when you meet a mismatcher. A mismatcher is a person that will start every sentence with, no, I don't agree, I don't think so. So let's say you are in the retail business and you are approaching a mismatcher. Instead of saying something like, I would like to show you something, this new arrival, this beautiful new collection, you will say instead, um, listen, I have a new collection, but I don't think you would be interested in. The mismatcher will tell you, no, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I can try it in my personal life as well, maybe. <laughs> Such a, a, a valuable framework, Carlo, and it's an absolute must buy. Really what I take from what you've said is this is about listening with more than your ears. It's listening with every sense. 
and capturing that sense and then bringing that back and capturing it in your CRM and remembering that and developing a, a deep relationship with your client and your customer and, and your people, essentially. Yes, uh, and, uh, and it's also about uh, giving them the impression that you are listening because that's what they ultimately need. You see, some people uh, won't need you to go too far in terms of personalization, uh, except you have given them the opportunity to speak out their mind. Uh, when you physically engage in the, uh, while listening with your clients, uh, physically or with other tools, engage, and you make them feel heard, that's all they need. I'm not trying to underestimate the importance of product. I'm not trying to underestimate the importance of after sales. But what I'm trying to say is, since society is moving towards a speak uh, and talk uh, attitude, look at social media today. Look at the big brother. Everyone Everyone wants to be listened to. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone feels that uh, their uh, daily small things are relevant and important for the rest of the world. That uh, the moment, the minute you give them enough attention, you have won them commercially and emotionally. What do you do with it really depends on your work ethic. My two cents, your work ethic should be impeccable. Yeah, and, and that comes across in the book. There are things you take for granted that the salesperson is impeccably dressed, their speech is impeccable. When you read this book, you go, okay, well, those things are done. This brings it to a whole new level. That's certainly the feel I got from reading the book. I think it's just so important. I think it's a matter of respect. Uh, the minute you look at yourself in the mirror and you make sure that you are impeccable. The minute you listen to the conversations you made, I don't mean you have to record yourself when you're having a conversation with your clients, but try to think about it when you go to sleep at night. But being impeccable is just a matter of, your, of respect. It's a matter of respect for yourself to start with. And it's a matter of, your, of respect for your clients. Nobody likes lazy people. Uh, you want to show your clients that you are in control, you are engaged, you are committed. And how can you possibly do that uh, if you forget to clean up your shoes in the morning? Just to give you a, a small example. How can you do that uh, if you forget to... Um, um, I don't know, look after the small details that make you look impeccable. I just think it doesn't make sense. There's a, it's a matter of coherence as well. You have to be coherent with your, with your message. I travel the world and I work with some of the most prestigious brands in the world and I train their sales team, their customer service associates. I do design the client experience for companies. And to me, it all boils down in people and stakeholders buying the concept that what you do is a matter of respect. Respect for yourself, respect for your clients. You want to be impeccable because you know that your life is going to be better, because you know that your credibility is based upon your uh, consistency. It's, it, it's not an obligation, it's a choice. Carlo, I really appreciate you coming on the show. The book is Sell With Style. I'll have links on the website and on social media for people to buy it. It's a must-buy. It's on Kindle, so easily accessible on Amazon. Carlo Pignatoro, thank you for joining us. Thank you.